Chris shared with you at the beginning, we're in a strong series, the strong challenge with brothers and sisters in over 50 churches throughout the city. And today, we're, if you haven't caught the focus, it's about learning. It's about study. It's about knowing and living into God's written word. There's a story in Luke chapter 2 about um, Jesus, the, the boy, the childhood um, uh, of, of Jesus. And he is, um, has gone into Jerusalem with the family for one of the festivals. And now they're, they're heading back home. And mom and dad look around and Jesus is nowhere to be found. They, they haven't seen him for a couple days. So they head back to Jerusalem, and there they find him in the temple. We're told in chapter 2, verse 46, that he was among the teachers. He was there learning. He was there listening. He was there asking questions. He was engaged in in study. He was engaged in in, in learning. And, And we're told that... Jesus Christ, God the Son, then through that grew in wisdom. That he grew strong and grew in favor with the Father and with those that were around him. If it's good enough for Jesus, then it's good enough for us. Right? It's a, it's a need for us to grow in that wisdom, to grow strong in this world, to... to To be filled with that wisdom that comes from God, from the truth of the Father. And that's our charge this week. To to be reminded and to practice, begin to to, to practice, to to renew the, the study of God's Word. In order really to study God, to to know Him. Our passage uh, this morning is in Matthew chapter 7, starting with verse uh, 24. One uh, uh, of really the end of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, one of the famous sermons uh, that is in uh, the book of Matthew. Um, And this really closes off his teaching time with the disciples. It's found on page 788 of your pew Bible, or you can follow along on the screen. Let's pray together. Gracious God, thank you for your written word. Thank you that you do speak to us, that your your word comes to us. You remind us, you renew us, you nudge us uh, along the way and that you have given to us the the privilege uh, of having uh, the scriptures, your written word in a language we can understand, that we can read, that we can, can study together. May all that we do point unto you. And may you indeed prepare us for what we just sang, that your ancient words would indeed speak to our open hearts so that we too would grow strong and grow in the the wisdom of the Lord. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Matthew chapter 7, starting with verse 24. Hear the word of the Lord. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them 
will be like a wise man who built his house on rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell. And great was its fall. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So this, this, this part of the study, this part of, of our challenge together of being strong is, is, is this personal, practical knowing of God. Personal practical, related to our life, a a wisdom that guides us into the way of life. I mean, it really is a study of God. That's, That's what we're studying, even more so than studying the Scriptures. It's through the Scriptures that we are seeking to study and know God. I mean, if to know God is really God's choice for us. I mean, we wouldn't know God unless He chooses to reveal Himself to us. And there have been all kinds of philosophers and theologians who've tried to understand and know God by thinking about Him. By studying creation. And those things can help. They they have their, their place. But we have a gift that God has given to us to reveal that, that God reveals himself to us through his written word. The, the scripture is that clearest way that we're able to study God. It's that, that doorway, that pathway, the story in which we enter that, that we truly know God, not just about him, but know him. I remember in, in college, one of the, um, you know, every couple years within the college ministry, we'd, we'd have that time where we'd separate the, uh, the, the males in one room and the females in the other. You know, and we'd, we'd have the, the sex talk. You know, we'd, we'd talk about what, what does this um, mean that God created us male and female. And, and then we'd, we'd talk about what Christian marriage is and those kind of things. And, and I remember um, one speaker got up and it was uh, about 30 or 40 of us guys. And he goes, men, you have to give yourself. You have to give yourself to studying women. And we were like... Cool. All right. What are the resources? You know, what, what are we going to do with that? He goes, no, you, you got to study them because they're not like you. They're different. You can't treat them like you would treat yourself or treat your buddies. They are different. And that was an aha experience for me to think, oh, yeah. Now that you say it, I think you're right. Yeah, and it's then gone on to be a lifelong pursuit of study of women to then one woman. And learning who she is and what she enjoys and what she doesn't. And because it's totally different than what I enjoy and what I don't. And the importance that is 
And then he went on to say, and if you get married and God so blesses you with children, you'll need to study your children because they'll be different than you also. To know them and understand them. And, and that's our charge then for, for study, for, for, for learning, for growing in wisdom, is, is to study God. Just wh- who is God? What does God value? What is important to God? What is significant to Him? How has He created the world? And He gives us in His Word that kind of guidance. That that kind of help along the way, that our lifelong study that will one day will graduate and will give the diploma, as Brian mentioned earlier, when we see him face to face. Then we'll no longer lead the Bible. Because the, the object isn't to know the Bible, it's to know the author of the Bible. And, and, in, and we'll no longer need his written word because we'll have his living word right in front of us. But but until then, this is what God has given us as His written Word. And our schedule every Sunday morning is is so that to to maximize our time of of being with God, being around His Word, and being with God's people. Which are the things that are absolutely necessary for us to be with God, be with His Word, and with His people whether it's uh, here or in the uh, foundational hour that follows our time together. We, that that two-hour block is planned to maximize that possibility of studying God by being with God in His Word with His people. So we, we study, we read, we're, we're into his, his, his Word because it's the Word of truth. It is the story of God. It's the story of God's people. But it might be a challenge, though, when we say, all right, that's why we do it. Understand that there's truth here. There's, there's a guidance in life. There's a wisdom. There, there's the, the depths of which we'll never gather until we see Him face to face. So we can always be in it. But, but how? How do we study it? How do we get into it? How do we enter into this story? I mean, it's a challenge. It's a complex book. They are ancient words. Ancient words covering over three or 4,000 years. Written uh, over some parts of it, written 3,000 years ago. Translated from Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. In a way, that diversity and complexity is part of the amazing realization of that this just isn't a, a human gathering of words, but is divine. That something so ancient, so diverse, so complex can give such wisdom. But don't let its complexity and uncertainty and sometimes its confusing parts intimidate you. I believe that's one of the great uh, works of the evil one, the lie of the evil one to keep us from reading the scriptures altogether is to say you can't understand it, it's complex. But the best way to get into it is just to do that, is to get into it, to read it. Get a translation. There's umpteen billion translations these days, as the article in the uh, Hot Off the Press mentions. You know, you go into a bookstore, it's not just there's one Bible. There's like 56 different translations, and then they got one for, for children, one for youth, one for middle-aged men, one for more experienced men, middle-aged women, more experienced women, and on and on 
it goes for all the different versions. But find the one that works for you. And find, you know, don't get so uptight. If the message, Eugene Peterson's, the message really works for you, then read that one. It's an excellent, excellent expression of God's written word. And then when you get into it, the, the, the metaphor I'm using these days for reading the Bible is to read the Bible like you eat watermelon. You know, there's some parts, man, that are juicy and they're sweet and they're good. And you just want to eat that part of the water. I'll eat that part of the watermelon until I'm just full and I got to roll out of my chair. No, that's and just eat that part, that part that you can get to, you know, get to it, read it and just devour it. Then there's other parts, you know, you you don't eat the the part that gets whiter and then it gets the green rind, you know, those kind of things. But if you want to eat it. You can, but you got to prepare it a little bit. You got to put in a little bit of brine, a little bit of pickle, and then you got pickled watermelon rind, and that's good stuff too. But it takes a little while to be able to eat that. And then the other part of the watermelon are the little bitty black things, right? The seeds. You don't want to eat those right off. You know, they're worse than the rind if you eat those right there. But what you want to do with those, you want to cook them. You can cook them and eat them just like you do pumpkin seeds, or better yet, plant them. Put them deep in the ground. And then let things happen that you don't even know that are happening. And you don't know what can happen. And and then one or two of those seeds are going to sprout. And they're going to grow a plant. And they're going to grow not just a pretty plant, but even more and more of the watermelon. And going to open up as it sort of sits within you and it fer- as it gets fertilized and watered and it transforms and metamorphosizes in ways that you don't understand. And it's going to bring even greater juicy stuff. Later on, some of the seeds will never do anything. They'll just die in the ground. And God will explain to that later if we really need to know. That's how you want to read it. Like eating watermelon. Don't focus on trying to eat the seeds. Don't focus on eating the green part. Go ahead, get to the juicy part, read that, and then and let the other parts do what needs to happen for God to bring those to bear as you study further and understand And he explains the story. And that's the other basic point here for for how, for for reading, for studying, is is to know the, the scriptures were put together to tell a story, first and foremost. I borrow from a seminary professor of mine, Scott McKnight, who likes to say, you know, there are five different ways that people come to to look at the Bible. And, and they're all, they're all good, but there's only, but they're, they're incomplete, except for being a story. It's, it's telling a story. Now, not a story like a make-believe story, a history, the, the events of God and God's people. But they're, they're put together with a beginning and an end. Some people like to read the Bible like a Rorschach inkblot. You know, you sort of pick it up and you look at it and you say, well, that sort of looks like a dog to me. You know, or, or reading the clouds. You know, how you ever done that? You look up at the clouds. What does that cloud look like to you? What does it look like to you? Uh, some people read the Bible that way. Well, just what does it do to you? What, uh, what do you understand it to mean? And, and there's a place for that. Some people uh, read it as a book of laws. Now, it contains laws. In, in a lot of it, there are commandments and laws, but that's not the whole that it contains. 
sometimes we just want to, we read it like it's a, a collection of blessings. Of blessings and promises. And certainly there are blessings and promises in the scriptures. But that's not the whole. I mean, there are some curses. There are some parts that are law. There's poetry. And then others want to read the, the scripture like it's a puzzle. You know, you want to take this piece here, this piece here, and this piece here. And all of a sudden, I get to put it together to make it look like something I want it to look like. It's usually how the puzzle works. But the main point, there's, if there's one word to say what the scripture is, it is cataloging the story, the events of God and God's people. And that's how we read the scriptures. To, to borrow from another theologian, N.T. Wright, the, the, which I think is a great metaphor for how we study and, and how, as our passage said, not just to study, not just to know. I mean, Jesus was telling his disciples, don't just know it, don't just have it down in your head because that's a fool who just does it here but doesn't live it. So, so the point is to, to get inside the story and you be a character in that story under the authority of God. Uh, pretend with me uh, that uh, J.K. Rowling, you know, she, uh, she wrote um, Harry Potter, which is now the most popular, lucrative, fictional series in all of uh, American literature. And uh, let's pretend that she died. And folks went in to, to, to her study and they found that she was in the middle of writing a new series of novels. It was a five book series. And they found the first three books and they found the fifth book. But they couldn't find the fourth book. You know, it, was, it was terrible. It was a jump from the third book to the fifth book. So what do you think has to happen in or what you know, these folks get together, they're, they're going to say, wait a minute, we found a gold mine here, but we've got to find the fourth one or we've got to write it. We're, we're going to write this fourth book. And so what do you think they do? Well, they jump into the first three and the fifth, right? I mean, they read and they study what, what's happening in this story in, in the first, second, third book. What's happening in, in the fifth book? And, and, and now they come together and they discuss and they say, this is, this is what the fourth book is. As followers of Jesus Christ, we're writing the fourth book of God's story. I mean, the, the first book is the Old Testament. The, the second book is the life of Jesus. The, the third book is the, the story of the New Testament church. And the, the, the fifth book is the book of Revelation. I mean, we, we know the first three books of the story. We know the fifth book. And so we study them, we learn them, we understand where we have come from, we look and study as to where we are going as, as, as God's people, and now we live out the fourth book. We are writing the fourth book in our life. So we study and know the Scriptures so that we can study and know God and live according to His wisdom. Jesus uh, tells uh, the Pharisees, you know, the religious leaders of his day, 
in John chapter 5. He's correcting them on how they're treating the Bible as as a puzzle, as an ink blot instead of a story for them to live. John chapter 5 verse 39. He tells the the, uh, Pharisees, You search the scripture because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that testify on my behalf. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. See, they, they, they searched it. They studied the scripture, but not for the purpose of knowing God. And, and God was right in front of them. They, they, they didn't see him. And he tells them. And I know that you do not have the love of God in you. You study the scripture, but you don't find salvation there because the love of God isn't in you. You're not looking for God. You're looking for something else. So he's correcting them. He's telling them, now you've got to fit into this story. You've got to live out this story because it's in this, this story points to me and I am God in the flesh. I am salvation for you. But they couldn't see it. This week, as we, as we study, as we look at the, the Scriptures, now, we don't do it so that we can memorize or we can know the different names or even know how to pronounce all the names or know who all those little minor prophets are. We don't, we don't do it for that. We study so that we might know God, that we might experience Him, that we might get from Him the part that we play in the story. And might in our lives write. Let him write in and through us the fourth book of the series. A prayer for all of us this week as we, again, there's nothing new here. I mean, this is just a reminder of what we already know to be in the Scripture. That as we look at the cards, as we look at the Scriptures, that, that we will encounter anew the wisdom of God We will receive his love and we will find in there the face, the word, the truth of Jesus and the salvation, the forgiveness, the grace and the righteousness that God has for us. Amen.